Good afternoon and welcome to this week's PMIX Live session. My name is Shanley Draper and with me today is the delightful Terry Handy, co-founder of PMIX Site and property management expert and our growth expert at PMIX Site, Nat South. Um, and we are really looking forward to today's conversation, guys, which is your environment matters, building a team around a high-performing BDM. And we're going to be chatting with Nat about this today. But firstly, we just want to say thank you for tuning in with us. We will be reading your comments and questions throughout the conversation, so please feel free to chime in at any time. But before we dive in, we'd like to start each conversation with some gratitude. So we'll start with you, Terry. What are you grateful for today? I woke up this morning feeling very grateful, and I, I don't want it to sound like a cliche, but I was just so grateful that all of my family live in Australia. Like We have a friend who is separated from his older parents, they're in India and it's just so unimaginable to how we live things. Like it's just so tough. And I was just like, I'm so glad that I live here. I feel very, very blessed. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'm grateful for. Natalie, you're next. What do you feel grateful for? Today I'm grateful for medical intervention. So I have a five-and-a-half-month-old son and he has a extremely flat spot on the back of his head due to not turning his neck from birth. Um, and today we went to the uh, we went to the specialist, and they fitted this extremely cute, very uncomfortable helmet onto his head um, that he has to wear for twenty three out of twenty four hours for the next three months. Um, but I'm just grateful that they have a solution now that is only a twelve week solution. Um, so short-term pain for long-term gain. That's what I'm grateful for today. Yeah, we do live in an amazing time, don't we? Absolutely. Um, and Sean Lee, how are you feeling grateful today? Oh, I'm always grateful. And this one's going to sound really materialistic, but you know me, Terry, and also that I'm not materialistic, I promise. But I am, it's actually being grateful for something that makes me really efficient. So I'm grateful this week for our cleaner um, because my house has been an absolute bomb site the last week. So just like, you know, running businesses, having a little toddler running around, I just have fine Play-Doh everywhere. Um, and I'm really not productive when I'm in like in an environment that's not clean or tidy. So for me, it just means I can function properly um, and be super productive. And then I'm just grateful I get that time back on the weekend. So just having some help, um, I'm really grateful to be able to have some help. So hope that doesn't sound materialistic. It's not. It's just, it's more the efficiency piece for me. Um <laughs> But anyway, let's move on, ladies, and jump straight into it. So I think first and foremost, it's really important to acknowledge in this conversation that every agency is going to have a slightly different structure when it comes to a BDM and the team around them. Uh, and for some agencies, you know, they may not have a team around the BDM just yet, and that's okay too. But today what we wanted to do was we wanted to give you a glimpse into how our very own growth expert, Nat, um, how she operated in her team when she was a BDM, um, and we're going to give you some insight into how this impacted Natalie's journey as an extremely highly successful BDM in Brisbane. So Nat often talks about the team she had around her and how this amazing team was the reason that the you know the wheels turned, I guess, so well each week. But I also think it's a testament to not having too many cooks in the kitchen um, and having people only do the things that they do really well, which Nat has gone into with us before. So let's dive straight in today, Nat. I wanted to firstly ask you if you could please give us some insight into the team that you had uh, with you at Harcourts when you are a BDM um, and how that dynamic worked for you. Yeah, perfect. Thanks so much, Shanley. So um, the team did evolve. So where I started when I first joined Harcourts versus um, the team I had when um, my last 12 months before I went on maternity leave was very different. So um, I'll just 
I'll just kind of comment for now on where I was when I finished when I signed the 333 management. So um, I was the BDM for the office and then I had Mary who um, was my EA. Um, and when I say EA, I mean my life. Um, everything amazing that happened in our business, I put down to Mary. Um, she just knew what I needed before I needed it. Um, I also, when we were doing, it was a really peak period where we had some months where we were 37 back to back. Um, I had Dean who worked in my team two days a week. Um, then I also had the receptionist. Now she wasn't in my team as such, but she played a really big part in making sure that when those call-ins came, those tenant inquiries, that was vetted as much as possible before it got to me. And then obviously we had a phenomenal property management team that made the handover process once I'd rented the properties really, really seamless. Mm, okay, love it. And so um, we were talking about in our tile that we posted about today's conversation, we're talking about workplace environment and the culture and how that impacts your results as a BDM. That. So can you give us some insight into how so your workplace environment, we know a little bit about it um, and the culture of the team that you had around you. Um, do you feel that that has an impact on the results of the BDM? And if so, how? Absolutely. I think it has uh, probably one of the biggest impacts and more of an impact than anyone could actually understand. Mm -hmm. I'm the first to stand up and say that I don't believe I could have achieved what I achieved without Harcourt Solutions. They provided me a really um, stable environment. They listened to what I needed. They always supported what I needed. Um, they had weekly accountability meetings with me, which I needed for myself to keep on track. And you know, from the challenge, you guys, we've been talking about accountability. It's such a key component of this BDM role. And I was finding 333 managements. I'm extremely driven. I'm motivated, yet that accountability was still key for me. And I know some businesses don't have that. So that, that part of the environment was um, really, really important. Um, and then a property management team. And there's not always a great relationship between the BDM and the property management. And there's always those little ups and downs because we're really needy, high, fast, want things done now. And the property managers have a lot to deal with. So if there was any hiccups in that relationship, um, the business was really proactive in making sure that we were working as one team. So I think that was that was a really um, big contributor to the success um, of my career as a BDM as well, definitely. Awesome. Love it. And Tara, I'm going to hand it over to you now. You had a couple of questions that you wanted to ask now. Yeah, I do. And I love that you're so positive about um, your colleagues that you're working with because it is that it is such a team effort and God, I wish I had my own Mary actually. Like, when you talk about it, I'm like, I need a Mary. So um. Everyone needs a Mary in their life. If you don't have a Mary, get a Mary and you might not get Mary first of all, but once you get once you get a Mary, you just hold on to them for dear life. Yep, yep. So I, um, look, I know there's plenty of BDMs out there and bosses who are going to be really interested in your answer to the question I ask you, Nat, and, and that's really when should you hire help and or support for your BDM? Because BDMs often feel like they're under pressure and super busy and all the admin they've got to do that's cutting into their time, you know, they can't make their calls. And then the bosses are like, well, if I pay for an assistant, just how many more properties are you going to bring in? And it, it can be like it's a bit of a, um, was it the chicken or the egg kind of thing that goes on? But also, um, when I when I actually ask a BDM, you know, what what do they need? Why are they feeling so under pressure? They're looking for assistance around um, things like keys or putting up their lease stickers and and all that kind of. I always call it 
scut work, which sounds really terrible and demeaning, and and that's not what I mean by it all. It's super important, but like they can feel like a drag basically. Um, but if someone's disorganised, then those little tiny jobs are the first things that fall through the crack, which is why they want to pass them over. So, like, yeah, there's, there's both sides to the story. So if you were a BDM and, um, yeah, like I'm just really keen, at what point did you bring someone on or to learn that? Yeah, and, look, um, I think it really does vary depending on what component of the BDM role you're doing. Mm. So for when I very first started at Harcourts, we looked after the client from the initial signing of the, so the call-in, initial signing of the Form 6, right through to getting the property entry ready, all of the maintenance, work orders approved, um, you know, everything was ready, leased. A tenant's application was like a lease was signed and that's when we handed over to the property management team. Um, so we were doing everything from A to Z, um, from the very get-go. Now, when I first started um, in my business, they had two BDMs and two BDM associates, they were called at that time. We quickly established that that was uh, far too many people for what the business was doing and there was a restructure within the organisation. So that went from two BDMs um, to one assistant um, because we had a high-performing BDM there working already with an existing um, level of business before I started. Um, I come on and did 186 in my first 12 months. So that was on average about 15 properties a month. Yep. And that didn't start at 15. I kind of started 10, 11 and worked my way up. Um, but at that 15 mark, that's kind of your capacity of doing everything. For you to be able to get any further, I believe that's kind of that quota. 10, you're starting to get busy, but if you're efficient in what you're doing, you're working to an ideal week, you know how to prioritise, then you can still manage that as you start to creep north of that to really continue. And it, I guess it is dependent on, for me, sacrificing on customer service was never an option. Um, I would prefer to be doing slightly less management, providing a really good service and continue to keep that business consistent rather than having those ups and downs, which we know a lot of BDMs have if they can't maintain the activity in the background. Um, but again, that came down to the environment. It was weekly check-ins, how are we going, what are we doing, what tasks aren't getting done, what tasks are we missing, is that having an effect, could we allocate that to someone else. There was um, some VA assistance for a little while there, but we established that didn't quite work well. Um, and I think it comes down to the personality as well. Like, so if we talk about what it started at versus the assistance I had at the end, for me to get anything north of where I was doing, so kind of um, 35, 37 plus consistently a month, I probably did need to bring on another person because it was just myself and Mary at the end there. Um, but in the same instance, I didn't want to let go of things that that other person would have to do. Um, so it really is a catch-22 in terms of how big does your team get and what does you as the BDM do. Obviously, always want to be doing dollar productive things. Mm -hmm. um, but very mindful that I, I grew to a referral-based agent within 12 months of being a BDM with no previous experience based on the customer experience. So I never wanted, I always wanted to be my client's first point of contact, whereas there's things like maintenance and leasing and that I would have had to let go of if I had tried to grow to that 40-plus management, which was always going to be that next step for me.
Okay. So you were probably sort of doing around that 15 a month consistently and because you're having these weekly check-ins, you know, the client experience was at the forefront of everyone's mind, it sounds like, at Harcourt Solutions. You then made that decision to bring in a Mary um, because Mary didn't start with you at that point, did she or, or did she? No, not? so we had a Tamazin. Um, and she, she, oh, look, she I'll take Tamazin as well. <laughs> she was, listen, when Tamazin left, I'm like, oh my god, I'm never going to find another Tamazin. Then I found a Mary. So if you can't have a Mary, have a Tamazin, like they're both as good as each other. Um, so Tamazin was already in the organization, actually, it was the two other associates, and then there was the restructure, and then there was Tamazin. So she was already in there working with the BDM. Um, so that was kind of a pre existing, and she just then became a shared assistant for two BDMs. Um, so it didn't just go straight into one assistant. It was one assistant for two BDMs, yeah. um, assisting with all of the, the back-end side of things, so leasing, inspections, photography appointments, key collections, those sort of things. Um, as BDMs, myself and the other BDM always did our own prospecting, our own client meetings, um, all of our own price reductions, marketing conversations, like that was always done by us. Um, and then from there, the other BDM that worked in the organisation moved into sales um, and I took on the full BDM role and then I think that was kind of around the same time. It might have been slightly different that Tamazin moved into another role and that's when we um, hired Mary. Okay, yep. And Mary, um, so when she first started with you, you mm -hmm. like were you kind of doing 20 or so a month do you think or uh yeah so Mary was with me for two years and I was there for three and a half years so my second year I did 274 so I would have been doing around 17 to 20 a month at that stage yeah okay and I think that is the point where if you want to continue to grow then you definitely need someone in there doing the back-end stuff and really assisting to make sure that nothing drops while you continue to grow to that 20, 25, 30. Yeah, yeah. And how long do you think, like, when we look at your third year, and mm -hmm. that was really when you did the 333, mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, that Mary would have been starting to hit her straps as well, wouldn't she? She was probably, you were... I don't know, she, you said that she was thinking of things or doing things before you even thought of them. So she, she'd really grown. So your pace must have just kept picking up, picking up. You, you're getting both getting better at what you do. Yeah, doing. absolutely. I think um, I actually feel like we, we, we worked hard. So that second year and um, Mary worked as hard as I worked and I was a very hard worker. So I was very lucky in that sense that when we were busy, Mary would run. If we had a slight slowdown, which we didn't really in that first 12 months with her with me, um, then we would kind of take it, tone it back if we could. Um, but that second 12, full 12 months of us together, we worked better and more efficiently than we did that first month and we signed up an extra 50-something managements that year okay. because we had our processes, we had our templates, we she knew what her job was and I knew what my job was and we just went in sync with each other. You know, I would go out of the office and I would come back in and things that were in my inbox that needed doing, Mary would say, hey, that was in your inbox. I've sent it off to the sales agent, deleted it out of your inbox. It's all sorted. Yep. So we're very efficient in that side of things. Sounds like you had a nice rhythm. And I think just when then you were talking about what um, 
you, she did this for you and you did that for her. Could you just give us a bit of a breakdown on exactly how that looks? Because I think that's what people are really curious about. We can't actually see, well, what would they do? Yeah, sure, they'd pick up keys, they'd go and collect files, yeah. the stick. Like, what else are they going to do? But she was doing inspections for you or viewings during the week, wasn't she? She was. So Mary did basically everything back end for me. So she did photography appointments. She collected keys. If we were doing a takeover management, she emailed the new takeover agent to arranging to collect documents. When the um, Form 6 went out via DocuSign, she would send it out. So I'd get back from an appraisal, send the post appraisal email. I would CC Mary and saying, um, please confirm you're comfortable to proceed. And Mary from my team will send the Form 6 via DocuSign. They'd respond all, CC Mary, and Mary would have the Form 6 sent before I'd even seen that email. The Form 6 would come back into my inbox. Mary would sign, like, check it, sign it, scan it, send a copy to the owner with our post-Form 6 template with the documents we needed. Mary did the leasing inspections during the week. Um, she also did my so she did the inspect real estate reports with that. Um, at the start, I would review them. Um, towards the end, she would just send them herself because she could write a report just as well as I could. But I would always still check those reports because there would be nothing worse than speaking to an owner and you had no idea what happened at the open home. That's extremely uncomfortable. Um, Mary would process all of the applications and put together the application overviews. She would send those from my email on a Monday morning at 7 o'clock because Mary worked 7 to 3.30 because she lived quite a drive away and because her stuff was... Um, admin base so she did four days seven to three thirty and then one day which is her leasing day she did eight thirty to five um she would be sending those pre-approval emails off to the owners at like seven thirty in the morning from my inbox so owners were absolutely wowed by the level of service she'd bcc me in so i know what was being sent i'd check over them and then i'd follow up um, with a phone call to those owners on a monday morning around 8 9 o'clock by 9 30 we had some pre-approved tenants ready to go so we could really prioritise our week. Uh, Mary also did up all of my packs. So I was doing a lot of appraisals. Some days I would do four appraisals and they'd be back to back. I'd come in in the morning, the appraisals would be on my, my desk, ready to go. I'd look at them, take them, and I'd run out the door. Um, if I had back-to-back -back appraisals, I would ring Mary and say, hey, just did this appraisal. I need an updated CMA sitting at 5.50 to 6. This is the attributes. Can you send the post-appraisal email template to the owner? And she would, again, BCC me in. Um, and that's the beauty of having so many processes and templates. Mm -hmm. I could literally be on the phone driving to the next appointment, read out exactly what I wanted her to say because I always wanted it to be a bit personalised. So I had to add some content in there about what we discussed. But it was a very um, blanket approach to everything and then personalised from there. Uh, Mary did... So Mary did everything right. <laughs> she, so I'm actually really curious. Did she ever actually speak to the clients um, yeah. or was it predominantly you? Yeah. So um, if they emailed back asking about, oh, what does a water compliance certificate mean or where would I send my rates or like stuff to do with the Form 6 email that she'd sent, at the start, because Mary had no property management experience, she come from commercial real estate receptionist. Um, so at the start, 
she didn't have enough experience to be able to comment on those things. But towards the end, oh, within within four or five months, I would say something back. She would then remember it or save it somewhere. And when that client asks that same question, she would be able to respond with the right statement to it. Yeah. So she would never talk about price reductions, um, like timelines, I would do all of that. But if it was anything to do with any of the emails she had sent, yes, when it comes to the tenant applications, I did most of that. Um, but if I wasn't available, I would be 100% confident that Mary could. Um, Mary wasn't a salesperson, didn't want to go and pitch for business. But I believe if someone called into the office, she could, and they wanted to sign up, she could take them through A to Z. Absolutely. Yeah, I really like that because it's important that you do understand either side of the task that you're doing for me. So what leads up to the point where Mary gets involved and then what happens after. So, it, and I think that's a really good example, guys. If um, a, a client came in and they wanted to sign up right then and there, would your um, support person, your assistant, whatever label you give them, if are they able to do that next bit. I, I think that's really important. I got also um, Nat is from Queensland, as you can tell. She always refers to form sixes for everyone else. Oh, that's the main authority. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and Terry, just on that, I think it goes the flip side as well. Um, I think BDMs can get too caught up in, in thinking they need an assistant and not having to do the admin side of things. And then they actually don't know the, the full process and what's involved. Or if their assistant was to go on holidays or need a long weekend or something like that, then they don't actually know what they need to do or they can't do it to the same level in which their Mary did. Mm -hmm. And that was really key for me. I could absolutely 100% do everything Mary did. It would take me 10 times longer, but I could do everything to the exact same level that Mary did it. I would know what her job is and I would be able to do it. And I think that's where BDMs can fall down in trying to get from here to here without actually learning the exact process. So when they go into an appointment, they can say to the client, this, 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 this is when you're going to get an email. This is when you're going to get an inspect real estate. This is what it's going to look like. Like it's really key that you know exactly what's going on before I think you, you get someone else to do it on your behalf. Yeah, I, I agree too. So um, sorry about hogging here. Sean Lee, uh, I have another question. Yes. Uh, so you guys in your team did the leasing, and I know that's not the case for every BDM. They might not necessarily be involved, but um, when you're providing owner feedback, it's actually so good to, to be, you know, on the ground there with that, that leasing side of things. So did you, did Mary take over the, the tenant communication? Once you'd had that approved um application did she coordinate all the, the paperwork and she did yeah so basically what would happen is um the overview would go to the owners they'd give our preference we'd speak to the owner final references would go through to the owner so we sent a preview to the owner before we'd even got references back um it's very a template saying pending references what's your priority they'd give us one two three We'd prioritise those references, um, send the references, no red flags. We'd call the tenants and let them know they'd been approved. Mary would call the tenants. She'd confirm the start date, which we already knew had locked in the weekly rent. She'd go to Vass, who has our receptionist, with a overview of the application, a yellow sheet. She would give that to Basilia. The application was saved on our Z drive and Vass would create the tenancy documents, bond documents and issue them via DocuSign to the tenants. Vass um, would then let us know when the lease was signed and she was very quick at that because she knew that we were following up. 
we had a um, we used Inspect Real Estate and we used App Tracker really efficiently. So we would the moment the lease went out, there was a message that went out to the tenant saying the lease has been issued. You've got 24 hours to sign this lease or the app the offer's going to be withdrawn. And it wasn't rude. It was very nice, but there was timelines on all of our application processing. But that meant by Tuesday afternoon, I 100% knew what properties were renting and I knew which ones would be opening up for a midweek inspection. Okay, excellent. Mm-hmm. And the But you didn't get involved in the entry condition report or anything like that? Or? So um, we basically, if the property was vacant and it was ready, rental ready, then and we were just starting the marketing process, our property managers would go out and they would do the entry condition report. Then they would come back to me and email me through any maintenance items, any cleaning items that needed to be attended to. I would then call the owner and say, hey, property manager's been out, done the entry condition report. There's a few cleaning items that need to be attended to. Can you please send me the professional cleaner's details? I'll get those guys back out there. There is some maintenance items that need to be attended to. This is going to be approximately around probably $400, $500. If you give me pre-approval for that, if I can get it done for under that, I'll get it sorted. If it's more than that, I'll come back to you with a quote. Great, great. I, I like that. And I like, so your property management team would actually love you because you're um, getting stuff sorted, not leaving a, a mess for them. Um, that they have to deal with, uh, with two days to go or something. So Yeah, and that was a big push from our business owner. So if um, if there was, like if, if their property wasn't entry ready, the owner was still living in it, um, it, we had to make sure that we had a bond, you know, a clean approved, the owner understand the requirements around keys, they'd approve smoke alarms, they'd approve water compliance. So even if we couldn't log that, the owner was well aware of their requirements. And then once I'd done the handover, if there was anything minor that come up at the entry condition report, the property managers would talk to the owners about it. If there was any safety items or major items, then it come back to the new business team to rectify those because, and fair, um, our business owner didn't want the property manager's first conversation to be about money. So that was really, really important to her that her property, the property managers could also have as strong relationship as the new business department and if I asked them to do something uh, they were more likely to not get off like it, it's silly right they property manager could say the exact same thing that I say yet the property manager says it and they come to back to me and they're like oh no nah, I say the exact same thing and they do it and it's just because I've got that relationship with them so it makes sense that I would be asking for anything that requires money to be spent yep. because it's not an issue yeah, it's, um, we're actually doing a training session next week or I'm holding it for our Foundation X members and we're talking about this exact same thing. So um, I like that the business was so pro- proactive around it and this is the kind of support that we're talking. When you're building a team around a high-performing BDM, all of these little things make such a difference. So Absolutely. Now, I'm really curious before we wrap it up, and I know that we've kind of just grabbed you and said we really need to talk about this and that, and you were very accommodating for us. Um, Do you think, like, what were you on track for? I know um, little Hudson came along and, you know, you had to hang up your little BDM keys, I guess, for a while. Um, Do you believe that you would have exceeded that number? I mean, Brisbane's market's pretty good, I guess, Uh, or you know, crazy busy, um, but yeah. you were doing big numbers when it wasn't quite so hot. But do you think that you would have exceeded that 333? 
Yeah, look, um, I would like to think I, I would and there's no reason why I shouldn't because year on year, you know, 186, 274, 333, there's no reason why I shouldn't have been on track to exceed what we did in the last 12 months. But there was some varying factors um, in there. One of them was COVID hit. Um, and whilst I still did great numbers, they, they weren't 37 and 40 for a few months there. And when you're doing that level of numbers, you'd be surprised that if you're not hitting those bigger numbers consistently, it really can be hard to play catch up. Um, and it's funny, you know, COVID hit April last year and it wasn't until around July, August that I actually felt the delay of the lack of activity I'd done because on in April I was on the back foot. We were implementing new processes, getting virtual tours, doing single inspections. So I spent a lot of time getting the properties rented that we had on the market because we were we would run with 20 to 25 properties on the market at any one time, continuously moving through. Um, so I felt that downfall later on in the year. And that's why I always say what you do today, you're not going to see until three, four months. Mm -hmm. So that was that varying factor. Um, but knowing myself and knowing Mary, like there's some months where I'd be like, you know, because I aimed for one a day, one a day the, the every day of the month. So if I was on track on the 10th for 10, you know, we, we were going to be having a pretty good month. And like some months I'd be like, oh, my gosh, Mary, we're not going to get it. And she'd be like, you say that every month and then bam, we get it. <laughs> so I'd like to think yes. And, um, again, like, Mary, if we were having a bit of a slower month, Mary would get in and be like, right, I'm going to go and find you 20 numbers because she knew I would call them. Mm. So if, you, if you've got someone in your team like Mary who knows if you're going to do the work, they'll go that extra length, then you can achieve those bigger numbers. On the flip side of that, Mary wouldn't have done that extra work if she didn't think I was going to call those numbers. Um, so that relationship with your team is vital, like how you treat your team, how hard you work, I would never expect someone in my team to do something I wouldn't do myself. And there's things I would never ask Mary to do because I know she she's not comfortable doing it. Mm -hmm. So I think that comes down to your team environment as well. But, yes, the answer to that is I would like to think yes. Um, past history shows that as you continue, as long as you keep, and that's the thing, you've got to keep those wheels churning. You can't get complacent with your referral partners, with how you do things. You've got to continue. And in that third year, I was still refining processes. Like in that third year, I implemented a new template to keep our sales agents up to date with their referrals. And I was like, how have I not done this sooner? But it was just a ting. There's something, there's a gap there. Let's implement something and build on it. So we would have continued to do that. Yep, I love that. That's that whole continuous improve, improvement um, approach sounds like um, Mary was just as invested as you were in your success. And, yeah, thanks for sharing your story. Um, I do have loads and loads more questions, but I know that we're on time limit here. And I'll just wait <laughs> out on anyway. Um, John, did you have anything that you wanted to um, that's amazing. I just want to say thank you for joining us, Nat. And if you are watching and you're interested in, I guess, hearing about Nat, you can, like, just when you're speaking that, I'm like, oh, that's just, it's a process, right? It's just a process for everything. You've got processes inside of processes, but that's, you know, the results speak for themselves. So if you are watching this and you're really interested to hear more about, I guess, Nat and what she's done, we have our next level growth challenge. We have kicked off. Um, we're in week three now, which is great. We're seeing some cracking results. Like, we cannot wait. I almost cannot wait for this challenge to be over so I can say, hey, guys, these are the results we had. It's been so awesome. Um, so that's happening in the next – we've got three more weeks until that ends. Our next challenge kicks off in June, and we're going to start talking about that very shortly with a date. 
Um, so if you're watching this and you're interested, jump over to our website, pmxart.com. You can jump on the wait list um, and then we'll start sending you out some information around the next challenge. Um, because, yeah, I mean, it's the, the results that you've had in that speak for themselves and we're very much doing the exact same stuff that you've talked about now. We're doing all those kind of things in the challenge and then so much more So um, across those six weeks. So if you are interested, let us know. If you want any more information, you can reach out to us directly as well. Um, but I think that's us for now. So thank you for taking the time out of your day to join us in this session. Thanks for being here, Nat. Uh, we look forward to bringing you another live session next week. But until then, stay safe and enjoy the rest of your week and your long weekend. Thanks, guys. Thanks. <laughs>